Hi, Andy Kindred. I am thrilled to be guesting with the Sci-Fi Sisters all the way from Australia, guys. I'm so glad to be with you. to the Sci-Fi Sisters podcast, where we give you our point of view. I'm your host, Tamia Harper, and I'm joined by my sisters, Yvette Blackman-Tom. Hello. Fran T. What's happening? And Sabrina Wood. Mm-hmm. And yeah, you know, we got a guest for you today. We have a truly special guest, a truly special spirit, um, who I feel like I've known just from the first couple of minutes talking to her. I feel like this woman has been in my life, my whole life. And if she hasn't, I feel like she needs to be in my life forever. I'm adopting you. Um, (laughs) She is... She is the author of From Slavery, From Slavery to Star Trek, I can say that, uh, memoir ex- excerpts from Code Switching, A Family's Voyage from Slavery to the Stars. She is the one and only Andy Kindred, and we are so excited to have you with us. Thank you so much for being here today. Yay! Thanks for being Yay! <laughs> we, we, we say we're excited because... Y'all, first of all, y'all need to go pick up this book, okay? Because Ms. Kindred tells it all, y'all. This woman was the executive assistant for Gene Kuntz of the original series of Star Trek for how many years? Uh, I don't know, two or three. It seemed like, well, she got all the dirt in here, y'all. She got, you know, cut. Oh, no, 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 that's not the one. That's not the one. The new, the one now is... Um, Called names keeps changing, right? And people were saying code switching. Oh, what is code? Is that something to do with computers? And I went, okay, never mind. I, I <laughs> so this one is just from simply from slavery to the stars. Okay. Past Star Trek to the Southern Cross. The first time I'd ever seen the Milky Way at night. It was just mm. the most magnificent, magical place. So, yeah, and it tells even more stuff because there were a few things I didn't mention in Slavery to Star Trek because I didn't know how, how delicate some of the Star Trek fans might be. Well, um, I want to back up a little bit, Andy, and um, just, intro- just explain to everybody the book that we all have, and we got it at the Las Vegas convention yeah. where you came with your excerpts from the, the book. And in the excerpt yeah, yeah. book is called From Slavery to Star Trek, which I think sold out in a matter of minutes in Las Vegas. So if you weren't there, you can't get this book. But the Sci-Fi Sisters all got a copy because Andy was nice yeah. enough to autograph one for each of us. Yay! 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 Thank you. My pleasure. It's, I, I only made 250 copies of that. And they were and, gone. And they're not going to be any more of that mm-hmm. one. There might be something like it. But Slavery to the Stars starts off with a love story between my dear grandmother's grandmother 
and her mm-hmm. husband, and how he swam across the Mississippi River and did all kinds of things to find, get to that woman. And then when he got there, instead of keeping going to where it was free territory, he said, I'd rather be a slave if I could be with you. Mm-hmm. Now that's a long so, story. You know, I have to honor them. I have to honor yeah. their story. So and that then, was your, your your grandmother's grandmother you're talking about, right? Yeah. You're going back. Okay. And so that Jim and Winnie. I love yeah. that. Yeah. <laughs> no, we read this book. Oh, oh yeah. I'm telling you. <laughs> I love that part. <laughs> I, hope, I hope you like what's now some slavery to the stars because it's 107,000 words. So mm. what you got came out of that book. And I'll make okay. sure you guys get this one because it's it's more about what it was like being a woman on Star Trek and and the things that happened. You got you got all that Star Trek stuff there. But this then takes you out of Star Trek to Universal Studios where there's me walking around the lot. And mm-hmm. I think there were two more somewhere, but I I didn't know. And and then it takes you to the BBS, which was the Easy Rider film company and these these very hip cool people that I met with you know with Jang Fond and 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 the uh, peace movement there and and how what was like working with them and 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 went on there and then it was the first time with my first women in film uh meeting and I and I was so excited to be with all these women and, and they were doing stuff in film, and I and I, I said to my, oh, this is so great, and we were, yeah, 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 and I said, and being black, man, makes it even harder, and she said to me, no, it doesn't. Who? Mm-hmm. Black doesn't mean anything. It's just that you're mm-hmm. a woman, and we got to the point where my I felt my fist, and I knew <laughs> that I was, I had to get out of there before I smacked her. Oh, mm-hmm. yeah. So all of that, and I just ended up saying, oh, well, screw it. And I got out of the, Gene died, Gene Kuhn died. He was my rabbi, my, my, my mentor sort of was going to be, and then he died. Mm-hmm. So I, I got a chance to leave the country just for a few weeks. And it took me about six years to get back. Uh, Cause I got to Australia. I found the people here were fighting their battles for civil rights. And I'd worked with Martin and Malcolm and Maulana. Um, and so I just fell into it. And so I stayed there with them, and then I ended up making a life here. So I've now lived in Australia as long as I lived in America. Wow. Well, wow. That's one of the things that I think was so amazing about reading this book is your life. I mean, man, talk about the history, the people that you have known and have uh associated with and worked with. I mean, it's not like you were just a groupie, like you you're boots on the ground working civil rights worker uh with Martin with Malcolm with Malona you know you you have this incredible story and i love the way that from slavery to star trek is formulated it's like a patchwork quilt you know like it is these excerpts from you it's know moments. from your life moments yeah. our, our, a, a lifetime is just a whole bunch of moments and i gathered some of the moments and some of my favorite moments were with Melvin Van Peebles Oh, oh my God! I adored Mel and Bill Russell. Bill let me drive his Lamborghini. Yeah. <laughs> the first time I met him, I said, uh, uh, "Can I drive your car?" And he said, "Sure." He tossed me the keys, and and I went out there and jumped in the car, and my feet were that far from the pedals. I thought, "Oh, damn!" 
let me drive stuff, but he didn't. He just gave me the key. He just wanted to frustrate me. This is a this is a custom car. And I see probably don't move. And I walk back and say, and see, I can't help it because in my family, you get a bit angry. We we do get pissed up. I said, you didn't have to do that. He said, well, I said, you didn't have to say I could drive your car. It's custom. I can't even reach the pedals. And he said, oh, come on. And he took me gently out to the car, adjusted the seat so I could drive it and let me take off. Oh and my wow. god. And used to whip my butt at Scrabble every time we played. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I don't know why people I said to my friend Gwen Green, who's just the, one of the most wonderful women who ever was, she was the one behind the scenes of March on Washington. You know, the person in the office that was organized and stuff. Mm-hmm. That was Gwen. Mm-hmm. Southern okay. voter registration drive. That was Gwen in the office, in the background, always doing <laughs> and so. Uh, I said, Quinn, why didn't Martin want me around? And uh, said, you know, because I was nobody. And she said, hmm, you ask good questions. Mm. And that was it. So I can look at so many people that have been in my life, and I'm just so grateful. Octavia, oh, Lord. <laughs> I've read Kindred, fell in love with it, and had to find her, wanted to make that book. And ended up n- not doing that, but be having a friend. Oh, for, and that was more important. We got to be friends. <laughs> I, I I saw the picture you have of her, you and her uh, having dinner, and I think I almost fell down when you showed me that picture. <laughs> so oh, I, I don't remember that. Do I have a picture? Yeah, it's in the book. I think you showed oh, it to me. Not, that's probably Martin. At dinner, I said yes. Listen, the book has pictures of so many people. Well, let me. I want to get back. I want to go. I want to get back because you're you're throwing all these names out. You're making me dizzy. I can't even control myself with all these names that you're giving me, and I'm having a heart attack. But I I want people to understand exactly um, who you're talking about. So first of all, uh, I'm going to take you back to Los Angeles Community College, right? Ah, uh, Malana. Ah, right. So, and, uh, like, Fran over here is sitting here like, yeah, I know who this is. But a lot of people don't know who we're talking about. And so why don't you just explain who your friend at Los Angeles Community College was and who he became, please. Thank you, ma'am. Yeah, he was. his name was Ron. Well, I met him and we won't talk anymore. We won't dead name him, okay? We'll leave that out. Okay. But Malana, I heard him speak and... It was like the world opened up, and I and I learned in the library there was a section that had books about Black people and history. We weren't looking at that. I was running around with my hair blonde and straight. Mm. Okay. Mm. okay. Mm-hmm. That was it. My mom was a hairdresser. I'd done the Lynx thing and made the cotillion and, and all mm-hmm. that. Oh, yeah, mm-hmm. I did it all. And so I met him, and for the first time, I mean, I was born colored, mm-hmm. and then I was a Negro. And then I got a capital N Negro. Mm-hmm. And with Malana, he was talking about beautiful black sisters. And I, I'm not black. Why are you calling me black? And in a fight. So many of us said <laughs> the that. The fighting words. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. 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 Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. oh, just look <laughs> now. Laugh. Butts, lips, and color. And now. <laughs> <laughs> folks, just keep copying. Anyhow, I've seen them. Uh, my <laughs> was running for president, body president, so I voted for him, and we got closer and closer and very close. Very wow. close. 
And um, I've, I've got some books. I think I've got a Souls of Black Folks with a, a, a dedication. All right, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. First of all, he introduced me to Malcolm. We went. Oh, he introduced we went, you. Okay. Yeah, we went and science fiction. Yes. He introduced me to both science fiction and Malcolm. So we, we met Malcolm, and then we we invited him to come to City College and speak. And it was the first time he'd been all officially on a campus in California. He'd been off campus, but he'd never been on campus. And we got him on for the first time. So our friendship started from that. And then he, oh Lord, I have I had my line of stories that don't even get to the book. Anyhow, mm. he ended up <laughs> doing a few doctorates and creating a holiday called Kwanzaa. Boom. There it is. The man who created Kwanzaa. Okay. That's guy number one. Yeah. <laughs> so I remember my my kids were very little, and he'd come and read them stories about and tell them stories about Anansi the spider, oh, and and I remember my daughter said to her her pediatrician, who was a very fair skinned man, Doctor Blevins, you're a black doctor, and you know black is beautiful, and he's like, oh yes, Paula, you're right, thank you, Paula, and she was so proud. I mean, we 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 felt so proud because he said to me. Andy, I don't know why you go out working to make money, to buy presents for your kids, and then tell them some big fat man, white man in a red suit bought them. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that was not allowed in my house. No. At all. Mm. Yeah, that, that was my Malana introduction. And, and he was very important in my life. Oh, yeah. And still is. And I'm glad we're still friends after all these years. That's, that's I'm beautiful. glad to hear that. Yeah, that's amazing. So, I, you know, I wanted to go back a little bit to the debate because we just did a panel um, uh, dedicated to Martin Luther King and Michelle Nichols. And we talked about the West Coast trip that you were the personal assistant for Martin Luther, uh, Martin Luther King on. And the man that Malcolm was debating that night was Ed Warren, who was that's the right. same man that we mentioned was doing the lobbying against the studios yeah. to get more blacks yeah. in we just we yeah. just mentioned this man and now you're now i'm reading that this is the guy that you had Absolutely. come onto the campus i'm like oh my god this is so crazy it was great because he he was lobbying and the publicity was good for him so he mm-hmm. was happy to come on um president of the naacp in la right NAACP. yes oh yes i mean we talked about Wa chang on star trek the the prop maker Right. Now, why couldn't join the, the union? They weren't letting anybody in, and they, they made it real clear that they would not allow Star Trek to buy, uh, to hire any non-union workers. <laughs> so they didn't. But I would drop by and sit down with Bobby Justman, and they'd chat about things that were happening, and then he'd come back sometime later, and he would just happen to have with him a prop or whatever it was needed for that show. But he never was hired by them to make anything. He just sold them things. Right. I mean, Michelle, Charlie Washburn, Stan Roberts, and Stan was, I, I did love Stan. He was old school, but he pushed it. He did everything he could to make sure he got to where he went. He gave up, he'd already gotten a degree and worked at Johnson Publications. And he went back to USC to study film. Okay. So that he could make that transition. And then he started off as an usher and worked his way up. 
Yeah, he wow. became one of the, the, few, the first vice black vice presidents there, right? And he was the first vice black yeah. president at at at, at uh, NBC and also Columbia Pictures. Columbia Pictures. Mm-hmm. Wow. Wow. I think so, it's okay. <laughs> but, uh, but he that's okay. So you're hanging with with Malcolm. Yeah. In LA, oh, after yeah. you met him, and tell yeah. us a little bit more about that because that just I was just like the car battery story. Tell me that. <laughs> well, I was the last one. We dropped Karinga off because Karinga lived in, in Lamert Park, which was close to the Shabazz restaurant where we would gather after in the evening. And so we dropped him off. And uh, I don't know if there was anybody else, but then he dropped me off last because I lived further. And we just sit and talk. But our conversations weren't just the same as Karinga, because I was being deferential in those days. You know, our men have suffered so much. It's us to step behind and be behind him, supporting him. We're not supposed to be out in front, which, what's her name? That was with um, Martin and, and, and um, Etta Baker, 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 Ella mm-hmm. Baker. You don't hear that name, but she... She was she was strong and she was there with them and she told them we don't need more leaders we need people who are empowered mm-hmm. anyhow um, so women we we had that role of looking after and studying. I mean because how could you have El El Elridge Cleaver saying wow. announcing he's a rapist mm-hmm. and still <laughs> is, is is deified mm-hmm. you know anyhow. That was then. This is now. <laughs> okay. So um, that those are the people I hung out with. And then when I moved to New York, because I, I wanted to be close, I started having an affair with Wyatt. And when you have an affair with a married minister, that is not going to work well. It is not going to work out. Nope. <laughs> See, y'all, this is why I want y'all to pick up this woman's books because she's got no cut cards. And, you know, it's a very honest telling of her life. And that's what I admire so much about you. It takes it takes guts to be honest, you know, and, and you were very honest. You were very honest about your vulnerabilities. You're very honest about, you know, um, the times when the, the time the moments of ignorance, you're very honest about your the what it took for you to grow, you know, mm-hmm. and, and I think that's really inspiring. I, I, I mean, I've taken that away from your books. It's like, because I don't, the, my past is how I got to where I am here. I shouldn't have any shame about it, but you know, we make, we're human beings and we make honest mistakes, but we also learn and we adapt and we grow. And that's what's so beautiful about watching your, reading your book. It's like you see the unfolding of you. Of this, of this, you know, really beautiful woman. It's it's incredible. My my requirement for that book was that I tell my truth, that I tell it as honestly and as best as I could. And I still have the bipolar, and I still go into tears really easy because my prescription hasn't been filled yet lately. Because of the, <laughs> anyhow, um, mm-hmm. but. I wanted to I wanted to tell the truth and I wanted to say this is me and I was I've been hiding and shamed about this stuff for so long. And why is that? Why can't we express our sexuality honestly, openly, and without fear? What anyhow, thank without you. Without shame. Okay, that, that was one of my without, without shame. 
Mm-hmm. Why can't that was we? one of my favorite sentences in the book. The, I, I highlighted sentences that just hit me when I was reading it. And either sometimes they hit me because they were so, so powerful, sometimes because they were so funny, sometimes because they were both. And the, one of the ones that I highlighted was when you said, I enjoyed the search for good sex. There wasn't nearly as much around as you would think out there. <laughs> right? I love that. I, I was like, that. she's absolutely correct. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing has changed. <laughs> we thought the 60s had it going on, but nope. <laughs> well, you know, the, the 70s kind of did, but the 50s, yeah. I don't know. I want to have we got, Women still got done because they had Margaret Mead who claimed that the, the South Sea Islander women, the Polynesian women, uh, had free love and free sex. That was bull. They didn't, but they were just having her on. And that meant that when she wrote it seriously in her book, all these white guys especially were reading that and they were saying, come on, we should have free sex, free love, because it was all to their advantage. Right. And, and so, you know, but when I was in high school, when I was really interested in sex, it was something that you just couldn't do it. And I and I wrote a little piece, I called it, I was a slut when being a slut meant something. So tell us tell us how you got to, to uh Dusty Lou. I I love that story too. I'm, I'm gonna keep us on track here. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> myself. <laughs> I'm, I'm digging the slack talk myself. I like it. <laughs> one, one time, Melvin, after we got out of the bed, put me in front of the mirror and he said, look at yourself. Do you see how beautiful you are? And I was like, mm-hmm. I still wasn't caring about myself, loving myself. It took mm. a lot of years for me to get there. Mm-hmm. It took a lot of years. But one of the things that I remember you trying to tell me, you are wonderful and beautiful as you are. Understand that. But I was also dating Max Julian, the the Mac. Yes. That was, mm, that was mm-hmm. it. And Max was a dog. And mm-hmm. he was dogging me. And Melvin was trying to lift me up. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, it was. <laughs> I love how you were constantly asking in the book, like, and who taught me that? Right. You know, you know and who taught and who us t- that? You know, mm-hmm. and who taught me that? Who taught us that? You know, is is reflection of you know when we when you were l- struggling to come to grips with like let me wear my natural hair as opposed to pro- you know who taught me that my natural hair wasn't beautiful and good enough? You know, I love I love that question. It came from from Malcolm. The first time I saw him speak, I think, was when he came out after the police had killed the brothers at the mosque, Mm -hmm. uh, at the temple, because it was the temple then. Um, And his his talk was, who taught you to hate yourself? Mm -hmm. Who taught you to hate your lips? And I remember having this guy that I was crazy about. But he was very big, and he had pink lips there. And my mm-hmm. cousin, my cousin's husband used to make fun of him and make fun of me for being with him. And I remember breaking up with him because I couldn't take that anymore. Oh, wow. His lips mm-hmm. were too big and big. We got together 
40 years later. But, you know, by that time, <laughs> it was a little late. <laughs> Anyhow, who, who taught me that? Who taught me that gay, gay men should walk or, or dress or something a certain way? Who taught me that people who weigh X on the scale are, or even Bill, Bill Shatner? Did, did you like the part about Bill and my daughter? Yeah, daughter. Yes. I love that part. That was so hilarious. I love it. <laughs> She came running into my office and she was just hysterical. And she, I was, she was the one that told me to put the lipstick on. And and I, I, I was so, what is it? What's going on? I'm ready to go to war. Yes. And she had seen him without his hairpiece. And and I thought that was a big joke. Who taught me that people's boldness? Now that I'm, after 40 years of dreadlocks, I'm everything at the top there. Um, who taught me that? That bald was bad. Mm-hmm. Okay. You know, well, come around, but now bald is cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah. One day. So okay. So what else? What else did? What else? I have to beg for praise. What else did you like about my book, <laughs> <laughs> girl? You know everything. Like I mean, once you start reading it, it's so hard to put down and. You know, it touches so many points and like, and it's a quick read and I could hear your voice, you know, without even knowing you, you're, you're, it's such a lively voice that it is in the book that you're just, I was enchanted, you know, and just wanted to read more and know more about what was going on. And, you know, personally, I'm a big fan of these uh, looking at yourself and knowing that these are moments that, you know, were painful, but I learned from them. Mm-hmm. you know um and you just do it so eloquently you know like i love how and i love that how you're you know you're talking about code switching because you you really were navigating these different worlds and learning to you know and and for those of you all who who might be listening who don't know what code switching is code <laughs> switching is when like black folks we have a way that we talk to each other when we're around each other but when you get into a white setting with people we talk a little bit more proper and a little bit more white you know there's we have different languages that we speak yeah. amongst each other ourselves in different communities and that's code switching when you have to go to your what is supposed to be the predominantly the predominant language and the predominant culture yeah. says you need to talk and, and behave a certain way when you're interacting in this culture. And so you automatically do it, but you know, that's code switching just folks. Yeah. But so I love that you are exploring that and you talk about it um, because that's what we, that's, I mean, that's, it, it's so much a part of every, every black person's experience in this every country. Black, oh, yes. every, I mean, oh, you yes. do not talk to your boss the way you talk to your parents, you talk to your friends, you talk mm-hmm. to your, you know, whatever. You, mm-hmm. We switch it in. And I think one of the most embarrassing ones was when I code switched, but I, I went the wrong direction. And that was <laughs> with uh, uh, George Plimpton. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Uh-huh. You know, he, I, I, I read the, the Paris Review. It was something, it was on my reading list back then. And and uh, I, when he fought Archie Moore, uh, a few rounds to write for Sports Illustrated. I mean, Archie taught me how to punch. He was the mm-hmm. one that showed me how to how to how to make sure that that eeny meeny didn't pass get past miny mo. 
<laughs> right on, they put my fist in their face, which of course is a limited tactic because when you don't know who yelled nigger, you, mm -hmm. you just see all those white faces. I think that was one of the, the it, it did a lot because after that, I started having skin conditions, rashes breaking mm. out and eating everything I could, shoplifting so I could eat candy every day mm. and getting bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger because I was shoving all that down because as the only or one of two, finally, after the, another kid came to the school, the, the only two black kids in that old white school, uh, I had to do something. Can mm. I imagine that? I, I, mm. So your father had, was friends with Archie Moore and had him come <laughs> over to teach yeah. you how to fight. Uh-huh. Yeah. I think awesome? Every black girl had their daddy or some male in their family teach them how to fight. <laughs> Yeah, my brother, so my older my father. Yeah. Yeah. Because they knew you were going to go up against it. Yeah. They couldn't they protect it. you. They, they yeah. had to send you to school and they yeah. could not be there. So you had to fight. And they wanted to make sure you were going to get your butt kicked. But my mom yeah. didn't notice that because mom was a proper lady who mm -hmm. did everything to fit in. And when they said to her, Oh, you sure are pretty for a dark girl, she mm. took that as a compliment. Mm. Well, that's mm. you know, that's the time. Yeah, and, those and, were the times. So those were the times, and so she just wanted me to be socially acceptable, and and reverent. Because in her beauty salon, I heard about this mythical rich white lady, and they worked for this rich white lady. This rich white lady gave him those clothes. That rich white lady did this, and that rich white lady. Till I thought this was this mythical person. Who, mm. who above everything and when I I think it was still in my head when I met those women from women in film I thought mm. oh now that the rich white ladies are in here we're going <laughs> movement going with women in the Hollywood in, in the industry but um yeah like uh, my grandmama my grandmama and the rich white lady yeah I, oh god you heard that one too huh oh my grandmother oh. yes my grandmother her yeah. friends yes I heard mm -hmm. it. And I, and I, and I too thought it was somebody that was like unreachable and just uh, bestowed everything. Oh, and you get us, you know, like Oprah does, you know, oh, we, okay. You get a dress, you get a girdle, mm -hmm. you know, you get this and you get that. And so, yeah, I remember those days. I was a little girl, but I remember. Yep. Mm -hmm. I remember when I was little, my, well, I you know my father's family used to work for the Crane Estate in Massachusetts. Um, so that they were big white family, you know, rich white lady. And um, when my mother had uh, my brother, Michael, they gave her a big English pram, you know, so she had this big carriage. She's <laughs> like, what the hell is she going to do with this totally out of place British <laughs> thing? Like, you know, totally over the top. But they... <laughs> And I remember, you know, my, my aunt worked there, my uncle, my father, they all worked at the Crane Estate in the, uh, you know, the, the waiters, you know, they were maids and washed the cars, all that. Mm -hmm. And I remember one time I got invited to a wedding at the fancy estate and it was the Crane Estate. So I went to the wedding and I had to tell my father, I said, dad, I'm going to this wedding and I'm going to the Crane Estate. And he just looked at me. He just went, well, that's different. <laughs> <laughs> I can remember my dad working for rich white ladies and he got X amount of dollars an hour and toting privileges. Yeah. <laughs> <Don't>. 
Okay, What's that? you're gonna have to explain, you have to explain that, that, one. that one to the youngest. I don't know that one. I don't they know don't, what that is. They, they... <laughs> Carry away the leftovers. You can tote all you can tote the whole. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that's wow. that stuff on out of here. You yeah. Can tote that. Uh-huh. Okay, okay now that I know. That I yeah. know. Yeah. Come on, man. <laughs> Oh man, I thought it was a little. I thought it was something else. I, no, man. no. I'm totally let down by that one. Oh yeah, your aunt, somebody cooking for something. You did bring home all the stuff. Mm-hmm. <laughs> bring it home, white people. Well, never mind. I'm sorry. No, oh, well, no. we cooked it though. Oh, yeah. yeah, okay. We That's cooked true. it. That's we true. cooked you. it. That's Thank true. you. Yeah, yeah. That's very true. <laughs> uh, she saved the saved the best part but oh my god that took me back oh jesus <laughs> <laughs> okay so so you're at i'm going back i'm bringing this back i want to i want to i want to move up to to the star trek part because i really want to yes. get to octavia butler so come on sabrina bring us to desi lu and now you are <laughs> you are the you are the uh you get hired after the watch riot yeah, uh, they, they hired two of us, you know, like you do it in two, you get a male and a female, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So they hired two of us, and uh, <laughs> it's so true, not the science, so. it's so true, <laughs> and, and oh, so I, was, I was the floater secretary, so I, I would work any place on the lot where they needed clerical assistance, so I went to Star Trek a few times, and then when Gene Kuhn came in, uh, more often with Gene, and by then I was wearing my mini skirts, and like Nichelle wrote in her book, I did have legs Tina Turner would envy. All right, I, go, go ahead, right go now. ahead. That's go right. Ahead. I love when Nichelle wrote that. I'll oh, thank you, Nichelle, because <laughs> <laughs> she, she, she that's for true. Yeah, it's so for true. Uh, Gene liked my legs, so he hired me, and I and I thought about okay. Do I really want to work for this guy called Coon? <laughs> right. But it's going to call me Coon's Coon. I know it's going to happen. And it did. And it was Ivan Dixon. He it broke my Out loud. Out loud. He said, you ain't nothing but Coon's Coon. And he said it. And it was almost as though Venom was coming out, covering each of the words as he spoke. To a lot of people listening. Yeah. Yeah. I keep dear brother. This is I don't know. I keep forgetting that this is going out to other people. And it's not just us sitting in a room. Have conversations. This is yeah. what happens when you hang out with the sisters. That's yes. right. <laughs> You've been like, name dropping and oh. I have to I have to remember to be careful with some of the things I might say. Well, I, I like you your what, candidness. <laughs> thing is not lying on nobody so fuck it <laughs> that's right exactly that's thank right. you and it's you know, your truth I, I read i like to read autobiographies and i read this book who about this thing who shall remain nameless this person dropped names except when it was when it mattered when you really wanted to know who this person was talking about and i'm like this is crap here this is why did why did I read this book? And because it didn't tell me nothing that I didn't already know. Mm-hmm. So thank you for being candid uh, about your life and and saying and, and calling out and just being honest and upfront about it. It's, it's refreshing. It is. And especially when it comes to uh, those of us who are Star Trek fans and have been Trek fans for so long, um, you know, there's a mythology around 
the creators of the show, and regardless of the, you know, I mean, we know the times in which, especially the original series was created. We know that what we got was really good for that time. It was some good stuff well, there, as, as well as, <laughs> as well as the faults, but I, I don't, it's nothing that we can sweep under the rug either. It's not, you know, I don't excuse people's actions, you know, they just, it, it, but I don't, I don't look upon people with the same level of oh. awe. Yeah. And, and, reverence and adulation sometimes as some other people do i think it's really easy to put people on pedestals and i don't think it serves any purpose you know um because when they when they hear the truth and and that people are just people and they shit just like you mm-hmm. it's it, it can be heartbreaking for people you know and you have to remember we all have to remember that like you know, all these people, sci-fi sisters, we've been really fortunate lately. And, you know, we just wanted to start talking about Star Trek and other science fiction and fantasy from a Black woman's perspective, because we all love it. And what it's led to is some really great opportunities for us to meet people and, um, and you know, and start exploring on a on a different level. And, you know, we meet these creators and people are like, oh my gosh, did you do it? I'm like, no, we talk to these people as human beings because that's mm-hmm. all they are. They just happen to have a different job. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I called Martin Martin because Gwen called him Martin. And I know <laughs> if I wanted to be formal, I'd say Dr. King, but mostly it was Martin. And he could tell stories that make you laugh and blush. Uh oh! That story. That's another book. That's the one that's coming out. You need to get that. That's the one that's coming out. Uh, We got the 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 cover back the other day, and it's gonna. Okay, there's my camera. Let's see if you can see it. Oh, oh, that's a great picture. Oh, that's beautiful. That's a beautiful picture. Oh, yeah, she's that. showing us this gorgeous picture. It's black oh, and white. That, I wish you could see that, it. That's that's going to be that the, the cover, and then on the back, um, I have to. Where is it? Oh, I know where it is. It's up there on the. <laughs> it's up there on the top of my screen. If I can <laughs> pull that down a little bit. Oh well, I'll I'll find it while I'm doing it because I, I <laughs> back the back page is 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 fun. I I really enjoyed writing the stuff on that one and it's right 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 here no that's the picture okay keep talking guys uh, well I want to I really want to ask because I, I I know that our time is going to be running short in are, are you in tomorrow already <laughs> in Australia is tomorrow for, for us it's yeah. like it's, it's 10 happy. it's 10 something at night but it's tomorrow morning there isn't it afternoon yeah. afternoon yeah. afternoon yeah, we started at one thirty, and it's oh, it's after two now. Mm-hmm. Okay, oh, yeah, okay, yeah. So I really would like to ask you about your friendship with Octavia Butler, um, because I think for a lot of us um, who are such big fans of her work and what she meant to us, I mean, she meant the world to me. And uh, when you talk about personal heroes or personal goddesses. She's very much one for me because I admit when I'd been reading science fiction and fantasy my whole life and had never until I was 
19 years old or 20 years old and I first saw one of her book covers, I'd never seen anybody on the cover that looked like me, mm-hmm. you know, never. And, um, yeah. and, and when I, I remember the day that I first, found, I think it was Imago that I first, uh, read, I just, I remember, mm-hmm. or Wild Seed, it might've been Wild Seed, but I remember that the book cover was a young brown woman who literally looked so much like me. Like they took a picture of me and I almost fainted in that bookstore. And I just looked, I I brought home as much of her books as was, was on the shelf. I brought them all home. I didn't even read them in order. I just devoured them. I just devoured her words. Um, it, it, it just had the biggest impact. So, but she's a, you know, she's somebody that we don't get to know a lot about, you know, we, we know her words, but um, a lot of people, she had a, a tight inner circle and she wasn't a super, super public person. And when she was alive, she, she wasn't getting right. You know, she wasn't getting the level of press and stuff that she does now. So it's really valuable and wonderful and a, and a gift to me to talk to somebody who actually knew her. Well, that's why I pulled this out. Okay. This, this January 9th, 1992. How's this for speed? I promised to send you a book and just a few months later, here it is. Hey, faster than a speeding snail. <laughs> okay. Uh, she says, okay. Um, she said, her sense of humor. What else is happening? Well, Governor Wilson says he wants to lower welfare payments, but we want to help, but wants to help children. I suppose it would help them to be kicked out of their horrible apartments and their horrible neighborhoods and have to live on the streets. Builds character, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, this one over here. I'm just trying to find the important things. Um, let's see. Okay. Seattle has worked out fine. This is December 11, 2001. Uh, as, as well, you, as you can see, I have begun to do email because that was one of our problems. She wouldn't email. And, and <laughs> I didn't get around to writing too often. So this is, this is taking a while. He said, to tell the truth, I don't like emails. I think because it's easier for me to forget to answer snail mail. She was. I always <laughs> meant to answer it. But of course, I put it down and it gets covered with other mail, books, tapes, CDs, and heaven knows what else. And I forget. Your letter, by the way, was under a notebook and a pile of post-it notes of different sizes. I think it must mean something good that I remembered I put it there. Oh, I'm glad you're writing. Wait a minute. Uh, she went to England then. Oh, she loved Alaska. She loved the open space. And I fell in love with Denali or whatever. I was eaten alive by mosquitoes, but the place was so beautiful, so big and empty. If only I could have had a few dark, starry nights, it would have been perfect. Mm-hmm. I don't get to see stars that often. I need to somehow. But it was July, and the night never got dark enough for real stargazing. No northern lights either course i've never seen them except in pictures i will get back to alaska i loved it too much to stay away uh okay she said um but if i could just get this latest novel finished instead of writing bits of them and throwing them out then writing some more bits and tossing them i think when i'm blocked i waste more paper with the computer than i did with the typewriter (laughs) i keep printing things out and dumping them Anyway, when I get this novel finished, I'll either go back to Alaska, the Andes, or down to Antarctica. New Zealand is on my list, too, because of its instant genealogy. Who knows? Someday I might actually get to see you on or near your turf. Mm-hmm. And then she goes oh to work. Okay, what's over this one? Oh, this one I think is fun. 
um, I hope she sent me a, 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 a book and she said, um, I hope you've received the copy of And Then We Heard the Thunder. Guys read that one? Mm-mm. Read that one, no. And then we read, got it, read it. And then we heard the thunder. But I said, I wouldn't be surprised to discover that you hadn't received it, of course. I'll be interested to know, see how much faster this letter travels. I'd also like to be interested in hearing what you thought of Clay's arc. If you're mm. not careful, you could become one of the few people on earth who are worse, slower correspondents than I am. You wouldn't want that to happen. To switch back to the heat and sweat and lethargy and discomfort. I have a feeling Summer's had a little help depressing me. My agent tells me she's got another rejection of blind sight. She gently, delicately advises me to flush it down the to nearest toilet. She sent me a copy of the rejection letter. The editor praises the writing, but complains that he doesn't know what sort of a novel it is. In other words, he can't categorize it. Isn't that funny? I'm not having any trouble categorizing him. This is the kind of, <laughs> this is the kind of shit I got on Kindred over and over. Well, I suppose if editors had imaginations, they wouldn't be editors. That's the most bigoted thing I've said all day. Oh, slap! <laughs> Did a black in, writer's in account. her own hand. <laughs> keep going, keep going with the letter. Okay. Oh, I did a black writer's workshop last Sunday. Every now and again, this is 1984, by the way. Yeah. Oh, uh, no. Every now and then, it's nice to come out of my shell, stand in front of a group of people, and pretend to know a lot. Good for the ego. <laughs> hey, write me something in Australian. Sweatily Octavia. <laughs> Thank you so much for sharing Well, this is before that, but one of those. This, well, I've done it, moved to Seattle. It's wet and cool, and I still have tons of unpacking to do. I've barely begun to learn my way around, but I do love it here. Um, but, 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 but I do have a great view of the distance. Um, I can see the cascades whenever I go to the store. It's great. Mm. You'll see when you visit. And mm. just, just, you can't so. save emails though. Yeah. So you have those letters. I know. And that's what's so fun. What's this one? I have this stuck there. Oh, hi there. We all have our weaknesses. You like emails? I like holiday cards. <laughs> <laughs> Peace on Earth. It, you can see the card. It says, yes. Peace on Earth. Uh, uh, mm -hmm. oh, wow. As soon as possible. Best wishes <laughs> and all around joy. I'm writing a vampire novel and having more fun than I've had in years. Oh. That was fledgling. Oh, wow. And after that was fledgling, after, yeah. Yeah, after she started working on that, she did this. Um, oh, and of, oh, she sends me another card. Uh, and of course, uh, good health, prosperity, and fun. Speaking of fun, I finished my vampire novel. It's due to be published in early 06. Okay. Wow. So I, I just wanted to share you some of these. What's this one? Oh, dear Andy, this is 96. I'm writing because I can't remember whether I've given you my new address. I moved to Altadena and gotten a new P.O. box. Still in Pasadena. I finally bought that house I've been threatening to buy for years. If this old, is old news, I apologize. I decided that maybe repeating myself was better than just vanishing on you. 
How in the world are you? When are you busy? So, I fell in love with Kindred. There was an article that that, um, Charlie Jane wrote for a magazine. And I just got it when Kindred came out, the the film came out. And uh, she tells the story of how I, I, I found the book, fell in love with it, said, I gotta make this movie. I gotta make this film. I mean, I... I was hopeful. I'd gone off to AFI, then you know, I fell up there, and that hadn't worked out because I didn't realize they were so right wing there. But I, had, I had fun. I had fun when I left. They they believed in the auteur theory of the artists, the directors, artists of the film. And I remember as I left, I slammed down a stack of a six stack of un of, of, of paper, unmarked paper, and said, shoot that, and walked out. That was my, that was, I loved that moment. I enjoyed that moment. Yeah, shoot that mother. Anyhow, um, <laughs> I, I tried, I tried to reach her through her agent. I wanted to meet this woman and find out if there was, if somebody had a, a, a you know, was going to make it into a film. If anybody had optioned it. I wanted to, yeah, to put an option on the book to make it into a film. So mm-hmm. I wanted to. That. So, but the the publishers wouldn't give me any information, and so I was with with Reese and Doris Halsey. Doris Halsey was an agent. She was agent for some of the the biggest literary figures in uh, in America. Um, anyhow, but she'd been in World War II and, and a spy and all. She was a wonderful wild woman, and she said to me, "Well, Andy, if you can't find her, you know she lives in L.A. Why don't you look in the yellow in the in the paper in the phone book?" And I went. <laughs> <laughs> okay so oh, I, yeah. opened the, I opened the phone book Octavia E. Butler three blocks from me oh oh wow. my god wow so I called her and, and invited her to lunch and she came she thought I was hitting on her <laughs> <laughs> we sorted that out soon but I was so I was trying to my friend Rosalind Heller was head of was head of, one of the heads of Columbia Pictures at that time, and she had this great house, and I was housing for her. So I took took Octavia up to the house, hoping to impress her that I knew people of, of a stature in Hollywood, and and uh, it was optioned already. But we uh, got to but you got to be friends. Got and for friends. those of you who don't know, there used to be these real big thick books that had the name. <laughs> <laughs> and your phone number and your address in there. And your address. And, and, and your address in alphabetical order. And they would give it out for free. For free. You and could get everybody as as you could wanted. look in it and find out wherever you wanted to know who lived where. <laughs> well, one, day hope, book. <laughs> one day I hope we get together and just talk when it's not recorded. Yes, ma'am. <laughs> Version of the show. <laughs> we could talk to you ad nauseum. Your your stories are so wonderful. Your perspective on your experiences is beautiful, you know, and, and, and I love it. It's not just the fact of like, there's a name here and a name there. It's just, it's how you experience these moments with these people. And, um, you know, and, and, and I think that the richness of your life is just so inspiring, you know, and, and I think that you are a perfect example of what it means to be really free. 
And if we could have more Black folks like you in our lives, you know, I say bring it on. Thank you so much. My pleasure. Andy, um, when is I, your, um, when, I'm sorry to cut you off. When is your book, the new book coming out? And what is the I name know. of it? The name of, well, is, is From Slavery to the Stars. Okay. And, and it's the whole thing, because I think um, Slavery to Star Trek was about 50,000 words probably or so. And this is 107,000. So I go into things more, uh, not only do I, you know, do grand, uh, my, my great-great-grands in Shankleville, uh, Texas, but then I go with the move to Watts after uh, Aunt Regina had to get the shotgun out when the clan came calling. We all moved to California, they moved to California. And so it was the early days in California, the, my grandfather uh, helping to establish the first Democratic Party office in there. And, and, I, and I, I do add more facts and figures because my, my feeling is I want people to, to in, enjoy the book. I want them to have a laugh now again. And I also want them to learn something. Right. So mm-hmm. I, and, and, and like Octavia, Octavia used to get so pissed off because what she had in the future kept happening. And she yes. said, oh, oh yeah. my God. Yeah. And and I started to feel a little bit that way was with the with the Gavin Newsom in California giving the land back to the, the beachfront the land beach back. People. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Well, but they're in the book. And and I thought, oh shit, now he's telling everybody. I was gonna tell him now. <laughs> 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 he, 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 you didn't hear all of the story there. And I and I talk about the inkwell. That's what they called it, because too many black people were living there. So they started calling it the inkwell. And black people, they, they had a resort there for black you mean Martha's Vineyard? You're talking about Martha's Vineyard now? Or no. is there one on the West Coast too? This is West Coast. West okay. Coast. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, because yeah. we've got one in Martha's Vineyard over here too, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, the Inkwell. Yeah. Yeah. Well. Jim Nelson's family used to vacation there. They all Yeah, my friend Onita Estes Hicks. Um you saw her in the news a few years ago because her family uh from Georgetown University sold some of her family to get the money for the university and she was having mm-hmm. reconciling her catholicism with slavery mm-hmm. said, I, she told me a bit about it but they also had a beach club at redondo beach which burnt down the night before it was to open so mm-hmm. the clan came in and that's what happened the clan came in. they weren't the only family who lost their property there were several families that lost their property. Mm-hmm. And so uh, I talk about about 90% of LA was under covenants that prohibited Black people from living there and redlining. Mm-hmm. I mean, we know what, what happened in New York. Mm-hmm. Uh, you couldn't get a loan in Harlem to, 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 to improve your property or to buy property till Bill Clinton moved in. Mm-hmm. And my friend Sam Waterston, uh, the law and order guy, Sam was telling me about he bought a, a a brownstone for his son, and now his son's a landlord. And I thought, yeah, thanks. Mm-mm. Well, y'all, I I think that this has been a truly beautiful hour. I thank you so very, very, very much for spending time with us. I mean, it's just been a pleasure. My pleasure. And may I ask you if Anybody knows any publishers or agents, please let me know because I'm 84 in two weeks and I'm tired. And the <laughs> doing all the things to do, it's finished. Um, Can't be waiting on these people. 
my god. Look at it. There's the manuscript. There all right. Is. All right. Congratulations. It's done. That's awesome. And you saw the cover. Y'all hear that Trek Nation? Trek Nation, y'all come together on this one. Come on. So if you guys can offer me any advice as to where to go and how I would be so grateful. Because I'm weary. <laughs> yeah, we yeah, got I you. Got, I got some people to talk to then. Yep. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and you can be weary. You're 84 years old and you're a black woman that was raised in America. You- okay, guys. Thank you very much. Thank you're you, welcome. too. So, folks, you. if you've been listening and you have thoughts that have been popcorning in your head around from this amazing conversation and you want to share them with us, Yvette, can you tell folks how they can share? I sure can. You can find us at SciFiSisters.com. That's S-Y-F-Y-S-I-S-T-A-S.com. Join us on The Mothership. That's M-U-T-H-A-S-H-I-P. And the Sci-Fi Sisters Book Club, both on Facebook. Download the Trek Geeks Network app where you can find us and our family of podcasts on the Trek Geeks Network. On Instagram and TikTok, sci-fi.sisters. We are also on the Twitter at Sci-Fi Sisters. Become a patron of Sci-Fi Sisters today at patreon.com forward slash Sci-Fi Sisters. After listening to this podcast, please rate us and write a review. We may just read it on an upcoming episode. And of course, we can't leave without shouting out the baddest engineer in all the universes. That's Dose the Anonymous One, who's responsible for all the music you hear on our show and the engineering. And if you need audio production skills or video production skills, look him up on Instagram. He's Dose underscore the Anonymous underscore one. We love you, Dose. And we love you all for listening. Thank you so much. Peace, love, and hair grease, y'all.